Hello, and welcome to the Bubbly and Baseball podcast, hosted, as always, by Ed Hand and Bailey Von Schneider. So, without further ado, here are Bailey and Ed. Right, it's like everybody's probably on the internet right now being like, we got to podcast. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's what's happening. Uh, so, you know, if you were listening to us uh, last time or have been following us throughout this uh lockout now uh this is actually it's funny because we uh I, I did we start before the lockout started or have we been just kind of going since the lockout i think we might have gotten an episode or two in before that i think so yeah i think we did a little bit before but we've been through it we've been through it now we're out it's of been, it it's been yep the in case uh if you're not active on baseball twitter which i'm very confused as to how you found us if you aren't mm-hmm. um Lockout's over. Uh, MLB reached a deal with the MLBPA that, um, honestly, I thought was pretty reasonable. We can talk more about that in a minute. But, um, yeah, my, uh, I was at work. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the office three out of five days a week. Uh, but... I came in today. This was supposed to be one of my work from home days, and I came in today because I had to do some phone calls. Mm-hmm. And um, I work, I work at a school, and I don't like uh, the students being able to know what my cell phone number is. So I just prefer to use the school phones for that. So I had to do yeah. that. Um, and then I got nothing done for the last two hours because I was just refreshing <laughs> Twitter for the yep. entirety of it. Oh I had today God. off, so like, woof! I was so excited because I was like thinking, being like. I mean, the news, yeah, I would still have been at work when the news came in. But uh, speaking of that, I'm going to text my uh, work friend right now who's a huge Dodger fan. I'm going to text her right now and be like, girl, we got baseball. Oh, my God. Yeah, the first thing I did was uh, call my girlfriend to let her know that I was going to be podcasting because she works from home. So I was like, your girlfriend is the same. Thank you. Yeah, no, she's very nice to let us do that. Uh, And then the second thing, though, uh, was I called my dad and uh, he did not pick up. But I'm excited to talk to him because he was convinced that we weren't getting it until July. And I believed him. So for good reason, I think. Yeah. Full 162. I and mean, we got to play some double headers, but fine. Nine inning double headers. There's no more of that. Uh, start runner starting on second rule. Oh, I hated that. I hated that with a passion. I, I liked it when it benefited the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My friend's like, I just thought it. it's a day later than you predicted, but we got it. I'm going to be like, I'm so excited. I am currently podcasting all of my excitement. Yeah, just just just, just podcasting that excitement all over everything because that's that's all I'm going to be doing tonight. Yeah. Um, I am just so I've got a baseball. We every year my dad and I do a baseball trip for. Uh, for one of the Apple leagues that we're in. And it used to be when I was a kid, we'd go to Arizona for, cause that's where the league was, but mm-hmm. then that league disbanded. And now we go up, we're in two leagues. One of them's in Canada, primarily mm-hmm. one of them's in Vermont. And we didn't go to the Canada one because the border's a mess. And that was like when all that yeah. truck stuff was happening. Yeah. But we usually go up to the Vermont one and we're doing that on uh, tomorrow. We're leaving for that. So it's a really nice, oh, it's just going to be funny. a really nice little, uh, little trip with that. And I'm, I'm just, I, I, I cannot, God, like I think I was saying this earlier um, that 
I mean, I get pretty bad seasonal depression as it is, but baseball's kind of my uh, my main escapism, uh, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's because uh, I it, here's the thing: I understand baseball, and I've understood baseball for a long time, and everything mm-hmm. good that's happened in my life has come from my relationship with baseball. Um, I got my job through baseball. I got, uh, you know, like the things that led to me meeting my girlfriend wouldn't have happened if I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't following baseball. Um, mm-hmm. My entire relationship with my dad is built around baseball. Every, honestly, like my degree was because I wanted to follow baseball. Everything that uh, I've been motivated to do with my life has effectively come from my relationship with baseball. So I'm well aware that there would be baseball without the lockout, but you can't tell me it's not the same. It's not. You can't tell me it's the same thing and it's not. And when there's no season, it's just, it hits different. Yeah. And I think that was, that was affecting me really badly. I was Mm -hmm. sleeping like I've been sleeping for the last month, uh, two, three hours a night. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, I'm already on, hey, fun fact about me, let's talk about mental health. I'm already on uh, Zoloft, and I had been thinking about getting off of it because I've been doing pretty well back in November, and I'm really glad that I did now uh, because uh, it's just been – and when I talk about, like, depression, I'm not talking about um, – just like feeling sad or whatever. I mean, I just, it was more like just a lack of motivation to do anything. (laughs) Like my reason for existence and like, does that sound a little dramatic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not it saying that it's rational so. or normal, but like, it's, it's how I am. <laughs> it, like, it doesn't in when you actually understand what mental, like, like having a, like, I, I hate the word mental illness because it's like at the same time, it's like, it makes you feel like somebody's like diseased when it's just like the idea of like taking care of your mental health and understanding it and understanding that people aren't just oh, I'm sad. It's like, no, it's a chemical imbalance, and these people need to be supported by us. It's not just like, oh, I'm sad about these things. And yes, things can affect your life. Like baseball, especially when it's such a big part of your life, and then you lose that part of your life, it's going to affect you mentally. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so funny because I'm not somebody that gets particularly upset by, like, if the team that I'm rooting for loses. That's not really just because, you know, like, I've been through – anybody that's followed the team long enough has been through the rigor with that stuff. So I'm not too affected. But the idea of it just not being there and having this part of my life that's here consistently since as long as I can remember, just having that – not be there that was that was hitting me yeah the i I mean the world is so chaotic like i i i I mean i watched i I was watching you watch any of the news now and it's just like jesus fucking christ this is like this is bad this is really bad and it's like whether or not you believe the degree of hyperbole with the news that's something that i could go on has to do i'm not like crazy like uh like fake news or whatever with everything, mm-hmm. but yeah. I have a, I, I have thoughts on the journalism industry just from working in it and having my degree in it and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But again, baseball's that one distraction, you know, from all of it that I, you can just I can just lose myself in that I can just uh, focus and on and understand the reality of it and not have to question anything and not have to worry about that and having that taken away over a couple million dollars and people not wanting to pay people and all of that stuff. It's, 
it, it's so goddamn infuriating. Yeah, no, it really is. I, I'm 100% on board with you. And just the outrage that came out, you know, thinking we were going to get it yesterday, and then it coming out that, you know, it was like people started, like, blaming the players. And I was just like, these players aren't the reason that there's a lockout. MLB is the reason that there's this lockout. The players just want f- a fairness. And at the same time, I'm like, you get the people that are like, they're millionaires. I was like, yes, but because they're millionaires, are you saying they shouldn't be getting the most amount of money or they should be being treated poorly? I think the perfect example is like when people were bitching that Scarlett Johansson was like, no, I'm going to like file a lawsuit against Disney because they didn't, they immediately put um black widow on to disney plus and it was affecting the revenue streams of the box office and that directly not only affected her but it affected everybody involved in the process of making that movie so are you telling me that like just because she's scarlett johansson and she's a multimillionaire, that disney the giant massive conglomerate should be taking all of that money when like she's the star of your movie so like these are the stars of baseball like why should major league baseball just be I don't know, extra greedy when that's that's just really how I look at it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, I think it's very easy to um, to say, well, you have plenty when you're not the one involved and when yes. you're the one that's buying the product. Yep. But I think, like, you know, if you're working on, if you work hard on something, you want to be rewarded for it in a way that's appropriate. You can say, oh, well, you're just playing a children's game. And it's like, right, but you're playing a children's game that uh, people, A, A, it's not really a children's game when you realize, like, the degree of competition with it. B, yep. the people that run it are making millions and millions of dollars off of your labor. Mm-hmm. You know? Like it, there there should be a degree of fairness with the payment, and I'm glad to see that. Like um, that you know, like they did seem to to have that there. There was the whole thing with the international draft kind of came in at the last mm-hmm. minute last night, really ruined it. But now the agreement is that they're gonna see if they can figure that out before July 15th. Um, yeah, I like giving it a little more time. Okay, so Bailey, let me ask you, because this came up yesterday. I hadn't heard anything about the international draft being a part of this. And then yesterday, it tur- like you fe- there was this revelation that it had always been something that the owners wanted. The players kept on shooting it down. Mm-hmm. And they sort of forced forced it into this agreement to an extent um, with, with that qualifying offer. Now, you know, off the just, just to be off the top of my head, it doesn't sound like a bad idea. But um, there's a lot going into it that I don't think we that, that I don't think is something that uh, we know a lot about. And it certainly doesn't seem like something that should be like duct taped together as a throw in for the steal. Um, so what's I, I don't know if you have more insight into this than I do. I did. I read what David Ortiz said, mm-hmm. and I thought that he made a lot of good points. I think that because um, what he basically said was mm-hmm. like, this is the this is like most of the economy with the with the yes. Dominican. This is kids ways. This is their way off the island. If you screw this up. It's going to be really bad for the country. And I think that um, he understands this a lot better than we do because that's where he came from. Yeah, absolutely. And David Ortiz also came from the Dominican Republic from poverty. There are, granted, varying degrees of the Dominican Republic, like Tatis Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did not live in poverty while in the Dominican Republic. So that's different. They're not the type of players that have to support their entire family like David Ortiz is someone that was like 
baseball is going to like I love my country, but my country doesn't uh, afford me these opportunities that Major League Baseball can afford me. So if I can not only sign a deal with Major League Baseball, but have Major League Baseball in essence bidding on me that I can choose the team that I want to go to and the team that's the best fit for me and the team that uh, will afford me the money that I believe that I deserve to not only support me, but to support my entire family. It's it's helping not one person. Granted, like you could say the same thing about players that are drafted in you know, that are drafted in, you know, the, the first year player draft. Sure. We could say that too, but like, there's just difference of what these players are going through that are going into the first year player draft in major league baseball versus the, the players that are coming out of these, you know, lack of a better word, impoverished countries. Like this is like such a, an amazing opportunity for these people. So the idea of like, I don't know, I don't know. It's just like you're drafting. So the Pittsburgh Pirates take the, they just get to take the best player and then they get to just pay him sort of whatever they choose. Whereas like, if we sort of had this, the the bidding that we have, it's like, I feel like they're lo- the best players are potentially losing out on the money that can support themselves and their entire families. Unless you figure it out. And we realize that like, they're going to be making $6 million that like the person coming out of the, you know, like the top five in the draft does. So unless you really hammer it out and make it beneficial for these people, um, I, I don't know. Like, it's like a David Ortiz says, like what he said, like, this is, this is the livelihood of the Dominican Republic. Baseball is so huge there. It supports them. You know, it's like tourism and baseball. That's really what supports people there. Yeah. You know, I just I just keep on thinking about a conversation I had a few years ago. Um, so my sister's fiance um, is Mexican and they live in Mexico City and he doesn't he's not really that into baseball. His his favorite sport is uh, MMA. Oh, interesting. he's a very curious guy. And he's some he's one of these people that when he will add like when you tell him like what you do or you tell him about something, he's just he'll ask you a million questions about it. Mm. So he was asking me about because minor league baseball is kind of my thing. He was asking yeah. me about some of the stuff with it. And I was talking about how, you know, like uh the the difference between um like Latin American players and American players that I said um something to the extent of, well, you know, they start a lot younger in Latin America. You'll have them mm-hmm. starting at like fourteen, whereas in the US, um they usually end up going they end up uh, getting draft if get either getting drafted out of high school or they go to college. Yeah. And what Vicente said, and he had this this is my first time meeting him, by the way. They'd been together for like eight years and I I realize now that this is just sort of how his personality is, but I, I thought he was kind of offended at the time. He goes, "Oh, do you mean do you think that Latin that uh, that Latinos don't go to college?" Yeah, and that I had this, and it was kind of this thought where it was like, "Well, why do they start so early there compared to us?" Because it was something that I hadn't thought about really. And it's like if you're having people that are making these deals with like their handlers or whatever with MLB when they're 13 years old, I feel like. There's something wrong with that. I feel like there's a real way, you know, when you're 13, when you're 14, you can really be taken advantage of there. Yeah. It's something that I hadn't thought a ton about. And why is it okay for them to do that with like 16 year olds in another country, but we can't do that in the U.S.? I feel like at the very least, it should be consistent. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I agree. And the interesting factor of that is like, that doesn't just happen. That happens with like Europeans and soccer too. Like these these people play soccer at like 15, 16 years old professionally. 
So it's like it's like an American thing that these men can't be drafted until they're at least 18 years old. Or then if they decide that they want to go to college, they have to be 21 by the draft or they have to play at least three years of collegiate baseball. Like those are those are the rules for our draft. And it's like with the NBA, you can't I'm pretty sure you can't enter the NBA draft until you're 19 years old. Like there's there's just rules that they're putting on. But those rules don't exist outside of America. Like they don't exist in like European basketball either. So it's just you have these. Yeah, it's these rules in place that are very much structured for, by the United States, like, really. So it, it, it is interesting that you have to, but if you look at it, it's, like, interesting that we, I don't know, I, I look at, like, professional sports and, like, the entertainment industry as sort of, like, what, especially when it comes to, like, acting, acting and actors, whereas you just, what other world outside of acting do 13-year-olds have jobs? And not only do 13-year-olds have jobs, 13-year-olds are the lead of a Disney Channel show. So it's just like, these worlds are just so different from mine. Like, you know, I'm in the film industry, but I'm not like, I was never like a 10-year-old that was like, mommy, I want to be in movies. Like, I want to be on a Disney Channel show. But like, if I had said that, my mom would have probably been like, all right, so what are the steps we need to take? So it's so weird that you just have these really young people in, in certain professional sports and in like this entertainment industry that are literally like child labor almost it, it's it's strange and it's for our benefit like it's for us to feel the authenticity of you know a 13 year old girl watching a disney channel and seeing a 13 year old girl herself or the like i don't know it's very weird or the benefit of these young guys playing this sport so we can enjoy it i don't know it's just a very weird way of like that how it exists i, I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no i i it, it's a very um it, I, I still think that it's a system that's been taken advantage of mm -hmm. and that there need to be if if we're treating Americans one way forward and it's an American industry. Yeah, I don't I, I think that they need to figure something out there. So I'm not anti-international draft, I guess. I just think that the uh, I think that they can't half ass it. I would really like guys like David Ortiz or like in Venezuela, you've got like Miguel Cabrera, guys like that, I think, should have insight into how this goes down. I also think that it's um, like the Japanese players that have been playing there for a while. If they come to the U.S., they shouldn't be in the draft. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. A guy like a Seiya Suzuki or Hideki Matsui or what have you have to. Oh, you have to get drafted now. But I also don't think they should qualify for rookie of the year. So, <laughs> yeah, I know that is also it's so weird. It's like the same year that, you know, uh, Ichiro throws up an MVP year. He also gets a rookie of the year because technically it's his first year in the league. But right. you're like, uh, you never even had to play in the minors, dude, because you were just tearing it up in the MPB. Right. <laughs> you know? Let's just give Japanese baseball a little bit of credit that they're yeah. a little bit better than AAA total. Yeah. There's like, some pretty yeah. good players there. I think they're the level between the majors and AAA. Yeah, it's great. It's very good competition, and it just proves yeah. that it's a seamless transition because not all guys come out of AAA and win MVP Rookie of the Year. Like, they're not all my yeah. Where they just like exactly. sign immediately. There, there sometimes is um, a learning curve. Whereas like Ichiro just was like <laughs> came right in and killed the league. You know. Oh gosh. So, just uh, back to the labor discussion and our very frustrating day on Twitter of just following these updates. There was oh a point. Um, so I just want to tell you there were five reporters that I was following throughout this oh, whole God. thing. Wild uh, times. Yeah, there were Bob Nightingale, John mm -hmm. Heyman, 
Ken Rosenthal, Evan Drellich, and Jeff P- Passan. And I kind of created um, like a tier of them. So you had the bottom tier, just the, the guys that are effectively MLB mouthpieces yep. and kept on, like, if anybody else was participating in these like fucking all night marathons where it was like, oh, there's negotiation, MLB's gonna push through, we're gonna get it done. Just kidding, we're gonna wait till the morning and then throw in, a, throw in another detail. These were the guys who were hyping up things as almost being done and mm-hmm. that uh, because and I think that this was in I don't blame the reporters themselves for this but I think that MLB knew what they were doing and they were yeah. trying to hype things up for the fans to get more pissed off at the PA because you notice there were never any sources from the union with this that were as optimistic no never you're right <clears throat> and the two at that level were uh, John Heyman and Bob Nightingale now Bob Nightingale I don't have any beef with. I like. I call him Boob sometimes because I think it's funny. But he just seems like this sweet, simple man. Uh, in my head, he's like the Forrest Gump of baseball reporters. <laughs> and he's just like, uh, he's just like, they're just telling him what to say. And he's like, well, okay, guys, okay. I brought you some bagels. It's me, Bob Nightingale. And then there's John Heyman, who just seems like the pettiest motherfucker on the planet. Oh, just has God. this irrational hatred for David Ortiz that I don't entirely understand because it sounds weirdly like personal. It's not. But Yankee, there are plenty. Yankee fans that are like, yeah, we hate Ortiz, but like we respect. Heyman's like, I'm not voting him to be in the Hall of Fame. His stats aren't there. He was clearly a steroid user. Oh, you're gonna listen to David Ortiz about this thing with uh, the Dominican? You're yeah, gonna, you should probably, John. It's like maybe you should listen to the guy who's from there. Maybe you should stop trying to turn the La- like all of the American players against the Latin American players. Like, fuck yeah. you, Johnny. Or listen to the guy that not only like is from there, but is. Him and Pedro, arguably the two stars out of the Dominican Republic, and somebody who went through the process of being signed out of the Dominican Republic. But yeah, like, don't listen to him, though. Like, what the hell does he know? Yeah, no, so Haven's an asshole. Haven's yeah. a total asshole. And then we've got the next tier here mm-hmm. of people. And they're not, I don't, and that's Ken Rosenthal and I Evan Drellich. I, I don't mind them. I, I appreciate Rosenthal more than I used to, mostly because he has such a bone to pick with MLP. Yep. <laughs> and he's so petty about it now. It's now not, that it's he like was how fired we would all mild, do it. Yeah, just for like mild criticism. But at the same time, both of those two did a good job reporting things in that they weren't really inserting their own take onto it. And I felt no. like, yeah, I felt like with Bob, he was just like, they tell me this is good news. And with John Heyman, it was like, this is good news. And we're almost there. I felt like Rosenthal and Drellich were kind of just reporting what they heard and they didn't have as good sources within the unions. So they couldn't do that as much, but they were also had a sense of realism, like with what, like the bits and pieces that were being told to them. Yeah. So I thought that they were pretty pragmatic, and I thought that as far just as far as like journalistic integrity goes, they were fine. Yes, yes. As and far as th- it go in the world of Twitter, especially. Yeah. yeah. And then you have Jeff Passan, who literally just didn't tweet anything until there was actual news, and I was like, very. It's like he didn't get a shit. He got hacked today with some like by some crypto bro, which <laughs> cool, cool man. Um, but then he got back in time to announce it, and he's the one that people took seriously because, again, he wasn't doing any of this, like, oh, I hear I have a source that says it. No, he was only reporting things when actual news came out. And that's – to me, like, and I, it was so funny because I think we were both having, like, arguments with people about, like, this that were like, oh, he's just a mouthpiece for the PA. And it's like, no, he just was report. he just wasn't totally excluding them from what he was reporting. Yeah. Like uh, – 
he wasn't just like, oh, well, MLB said it, so I guess this is uh, this is reality. No, he was um, actually just waiting for both sides to come out and say, okay, this is what's going on, or this, and I'm not going to say anything if it isn't. And as yeah. a result of that, people took him a lot more seriously. Yeah, he's always been sort of the person with, like, anything, like, with any signings, with pretty much anything. He's the, the person that I've trusted the most when it comes to, like, free agency especially. I was like, oh, Passon, Passon tweeted it. I can probably trust this. Whereas, like, people, other people, like, the blue check marks have been wrong before. Oh, frequently. Yeah. Throughout this stuff. Can I tell you who has been the best non-reporter on reporting news? Who do you like? I don't know if you remember him. Carlos Bayerga. No. Former Red Sox, former Cleveland Indians, great. The guy just inexplicably, I think he's got some buddies of the Toronto Blue Chase organization because he was the one who broke the Marcus Simeon uh, signing there last year. He had it before anybody else did. And it's all in Spanish, so you have to kind of be like paying attention to it. But he's been, he's a former player who like just seems to be very well connected um, because he's never been wrong. Yeah, hey, I mean, I'm all for that. Yeah. But there was a period also with Heyman, who was really doing the votes, uh, right before right before the news broke that there was a deal. And this struck me as kind of interesting, and I'm curious what you thought with it, because this came out also. So it sounded like a, like the Mets representatives, which I believe were Scherzer, Lindor, and Brandon Nemo, yeah. were, uh, because two of them are on the executive committee, were not cool with the deal. Uh, they voted against it. And then it turned out that the entire executive committee – voted against it. Now, that's eight players that are kind of just picked from wherever, because each team gets a representative in the union, and then there are the eight executives. And the entire executive community voted, the entire executive committee voted against the deal. But 26 out of 30 of the player representatives voted for it, and that's why it got passed. Mm -hmm. What do you think of all eight of the executives voting against it? Um, It's interesting that three of them were Mets, if that so three of them in the rats i also did see on twitter don't really know how true this is that a good deal of those are also boris clients yeah i heard five of them are scott boris and every time i hear someone say boris i just think it sounds like a conspiracy person talking about george soros <laughs> and i'm just tempted to be like yeah that's a typo there buddy also yeah. why what, what's why, why are you talking about this here this is baseball but no it's scott it's boris like, super yeah. agent Yes, um, yes, which can be a conspiracy theory all in itself, all the board oh, stuff, I mean, right? Because yeah. um, there, there are people that hate Scott Boris. There's also the part of me that is like, you hate the guy that's the best at his job? I mean, yeah, a lot of people are going to hate the person that's the best at their job. This guy gets the deals for his players that he feels they deserve, and he's going to play hardball. So I really have, like, no issue really with that. You could say the same for Rob Manfred, though, that he's the Scott Boris, but for oh. the, he, but of like, you know, of like owners. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to believe that Boris is a little, a little, a little savvier than um, than Manfred might be, but who knows? Um, but uh, so I find that very interesting that you sort of have like what five? You have five of eight, so you have like that many people, more than half 
are this so this is a conspiracy theory in and of itself is the idea of like oh is there a boris influence in all of this but um or the idea of the mets because the mets are going to be probably hit hardest with the tax because you know playing mlb the show for uncle stevie you know and he's <laughs> and he's not done nobody's done like what 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 are we like um a half hour away or like what's that we're what's an hour and a half away, away uh from free agency reopening oh yeah a couple of other things here to that um, have come out since I think we started talking. Mm-hmm. Opening day is April 7th. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. The Rule 5 draft has been canceled. Oh, they canceled the Rule 5. Well, I'm yep. glad we got our guy when we did. Thanks, New York. Yeah, and which <laughs> means that also Red Sox aren't going to lose anybody. So That's I thought Jordan awesome. Feldman had a good chance of being uh, lost in it. So Yeah, so does that mean that we don't have to... Um, F around with the construction of our 40 man now, like being like, oh, we have to have this guy on or we're going to lose him type situation. That would have been prior to all of this anyway, um, because the rule, I th- and I understand why they dropped it for this year, because it's normally in November. Oh, okay. So it's just for this year. December, they're not going to, they're not going to get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, I believe it's just this definitely. year. Oh, okay. Because it's just the timing for roster construction. It's not going to work. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, we'll keep Durbin. We, uh, we, I mean, lose, yes, you won't lose Durbin Feltman, won't lose, um, wasn't, wasn't there potentially they didn't protect, um, uh, Jimenez either. So like, yeah, I, I think Jimenez would have been a stretch just because he hasn't played above like high A and he's like, certain, yeah. and they have to, they have to protect him for the entire year. So I thought him mm-hmm. getting taken was a little bit of a stretch, but Feltman was a bit more major league ready. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but, but regardless, it's just th- things are in motion. Now. Things are in motion, but I'm sorry. I think got cut off before that. Do you believe that in the, uh, the Scott Boris conspiracy there, what do you think it means that the eight, executive members uh said that they uh you know i don't know what it um i don't know what they're seeing differently than what you what was like 26 out of 30 so you have 26 and then you have four also saying no but literally 26 of the 30 representatives saying yeah this is a good deal so what are the eight seeing differently than those 26 or those 26 saying this seems fair for me this seems fair for the younger guys um i want to play baseball whereas like you have a max scherzer who i don't know is is it a money thing where like maybe some of these other guys aren't as wealthy as Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is um, determined, potentially going to make more money than the entirety of like the Baltimore Orioles. That in and of itself is a whole other problem that baseball needs to figure the fuck out. But the idea of like Max Scherzer rolling up in his Porsche, looking awesome, got the two, two colored guys, two different colored eyes. He's like the coolest guy in baseball. He doesn't give two fucks how long this shit goes on. But maybe these other guys aren't, they're not Max Scherzer and they're maybe like fed up with the idea of losing my money, um, losing fans, the things like that. So I don't know if they're sort of just viewing it all differently than maybe those eight executive guys are. I don't really know, especially like Francisco Lindor has got all the goddamn money now too. Like maybe these <laughs> other guys are like, I'm a free agent. I want to get mine. Like, let's get this shit rolling. I, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think it's interesting that the higher paid guys that could afford to hold out longer were the ones that were um, that were against it. I think that they might have um, how do I put this? 
They might have wanted to hold out a little bit longer, because, but I think that the others, I think that the op, a, the optics of it, even if there's a mild, there's a good point on the PA, which I do think that last minute, hey, drop these lawsuits that came in. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, I don't think we talked about that, but like they asked them basically to drop two lawsuits as part of the deal. Yeah. Um, now, there are other All ones. COVID there are other grievances. Ones, right? Yeah, the COVID one and the um, something from 2018 about revenue sharing. Oh, okay. Um, but I think that that was part of it, but there was also just like, you know, the uh, the MLB kept on making all these crazy, like, oh, this is the deadline, just kidding, it's not the deadline, oh, it's the deadline. At some point, though, and this was my big worry, they're going to walk away from it, they're going to, they're, you know what I mean, like, they were going to at some point with it, just because they can't, you can't keep on threatening it. Yeah, and it was, I was crazy. I was worried that MLB was just going to do something really petty and just, like, not you know, just not do anything for uh, <laughs> for uh, a month like they did back in November, which is, by the way, or back in December. I blame all of this taking so long coming down to the wire on MLB because they were the ones who didn't really start negotiating until, like, we could have been done with this in January if they had just started from the get-go and actually took it seriously. Enjoy so that's, your holidays. Yeah. After the first, you immediately should have been negotiating. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, but, that was sort of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but we, we got it. Um, we're, yeah, like you said, an hour and a half away. I, do you think it's going to just be immediately crazy? Like, do you think that there were, like, people were really close to talks before the lockout that it was sort of oh, like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, and I was just saying this before, I'm going to buy a new... I'm going to need to buy a new couch, or I'm going to need to just, like, do this naked in the bathroom or something just on my <laughs> phone, because, like, I'm just going to be... It's going to be... I, th this is the analogy that I use. It's like I just had some kind of, uh, like, penis surgery, and I haven't been able to touch it for two months, <laughs> and now I can touch it again, and things are just going to get gross in a hurry. Yeah. So uh, that's what I feel everywhere. like this. Yeah, that's going to be starting in an hour and 20 minutes. Like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm picking up my dog from uh, from daycare in a little bit, mm -hmm. and uh, I just want to be home before then because, you know, time to do my baseball fapping. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be crazy because I'm yeah. just wondering how close deals potentially were before this lockout that it's just going to be like boom 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 it's going to be your, like i think it, i think they must have been doing like some back uh back channels now can mm -hmm. i tell you so i i'm gonna tell you mine and then i want to know yours for this but mm -hmm. for your first who do you think is going to be the first free agent to go because for me this is my what i think and i think it would be fucking hilarious if first if immediately steve cohen just throws like a couple hundred million dollars at chris bryant Oh. And he's like, oh, here's why, because, you know, they added on that fourth luxury tax where he's like, oh, you want to tax me more? Fuck you, I have $15 billion. Yeah, I'm literally the richest <laughs> owner by far that it's like, oh, my God, if if they got Chris Bryant, like, fuck, dude. Like, I kind of like, I, I, I love everything about John Henry. I love, because, I mean, the man has given us four championships i cannot bitch um like i love the i love the sustainability that high and bloom is working towards but I, there's a part of me that kind of wishes i had a cohen that was just like you know what i'm buying everybody you want max scherzer you got him you want chris bryant you got him you want me to you want me to be like carlos correa i'll pay you like the biggest shortstop but you're gonna play second for me you got him like you know i just like i kind of like low-key wished that I also had the, like, that, 
that way of thought. Like, he wants to be the big dog in New York. He wants people... The Yankees are the Yankees. They're most storied franchise in the entirety of New England. I'm not New England, Jesus Christ. The entirety of, uh, you know, North American sports. Like, it's a, it's a goddamn fact. I hate it, but it's a fact. So nothing's going to ever take away the, you know, the the globalness of what that NY means to people. But I do love that Cohen's like, nah, we want to be the top dogs in this city. Like, the borough's going to be Queens, you know? <laughs> Oh, definitely. Definitely. I wonder if they're going to overtake the Yankees. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, they, you know, like, I love the idea of people saying, like, oh, well, like, they didn't win the World Series. But I'm like, technically, those assholes were in the World Series um, closer to where we are living now than, um, you know, the Yankees. The Yankees won it in 2009. Cool. But they haven't even dipped their toe in the damn World Series since then. And I love it. I love it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, I mean, again, you know me, I like the Yankees to be a threat, but I'm not going to pretend that having that to fall back on is, uh, when Yankee oh, fans yeah. are, like, talking shit isn't fun. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I like the rivalry. It, it fuels me. My hatred for the Yankees is, is, like, a part of me. It's in my DNA, it, but I love it. So the idea of, like, beating them in the wild card is so much more fun than them not making, the, like, the postseason, but at the same time, when they don't make the postseason, it's, it's hilarious because they're the New York Yankees. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoy it. It is pretty funny. You got to imagine George Steinbrenner spinning in his grave right now. Oh, my God. Just to see, because that man, that man was like throwing, that man was Steve Cohen. Like, he was like out there and he's like, you know who I need? I need the straw that stirs the drink. I need Reggie Jackson. I'm getting Reggie Jackson. (laughs) Like, that's how it works for George Steinbrenner. That's like really what Cohen's doing. So the fact is that like he's the new George Steinbrenner in New York, I find to be hilarious. It's pretty fun, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. It really is. And that, like, George's children are just, like, we got to pay some pennies. But in fairness, like, when it, like, you have made the point of the the livelihood of the Steinbrenner family is on the New York Yankees. That, that oh, is yeah. how they make their money versus that is not how Cohen makes his money. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. No, it is not. He gets that through, uh, through ripping people off that via insider trading. So yep. good for him. Absolutely. But you know what? That doesn't affect the baseball, so whatever. Yeah, yeah, he can afford his formaldehyde shock. Good for you. Good for you, Stevie. <laughs> but, oh, whew. yeah, but I mean, I, it's going to be interesting when this the floodgates open. It's going to be like the beginning of the shot, and it's going to be like that scene in The Shining. I've been, like, tweeting it, where there's the blood is just coming out of the elevators. That's what oh, it's going to so be. Oh, that's the more family-friendly version than mine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Like, yours is just, like, mine is sex and yours is violence. Yeah, exactly. That's the sex and violence podcast. The sex and violence baseball program. Please join us. What more do you need? Sex and violence. It's, like, sex and violence is, like, Chris Bryant getting in a fight on the field with, like, I don't know, like, another sexy baseball player. Yeah, Dansby Swanson. And it's a mud wrestling fight, too, where their clothes clothes get progressively... Exactly. ripped off i would be fine with that if that occurred not everybody would be but you know give me some sex and violence make i want some r-rated baseball <laughs> but um so i mean i'm just ecstatic i it's gonna be a good week uh you know uh i gotta got baseball tomorrow i have to give my first tour at paramount so I'm congratulations nervous. thank you nervous as shit i got Thank you. It's been a good week. I met um, a pretty prolific podcaster that's going to come on my, my um, 
that's going to come on and guest on to mine and Jenna's Sweet Sweet Garbage, which Ed was uh, the last episode on. So check that out. Yeah, if you want to see me stoned as shit talking about Harry Potter, that's the place to do it. Yeah, and you want to you want to listen to me get progressively more and more wine drunk and the accent yes. just <laughs> and yet somehow thirstier and thirstier for Jason Isaac. It happens, you know. All my inhibitions <laughs> just go out the window, you know. When I've got a couple things of wine inside of my body. But, uh, yeah, so I apologize for um, the people that wanted us to be drunk for this podcast. I have to do some stuff later today, as does Ed. So we had some responsibilities. We wanted to get on and talk about it because we are excited. But we just couldn't get completely wasted today, so... <laughs> Yep. Also, it's like uh, it's like four forty-five here. Like I'm not. It's not yeah, five it, o'clock yet. It's literally uh, also nearly two for me. So yeah. Imagine but, just getting wasted at two. <laughs> oh God, that'd be great. And it's not but, Sunday. That's a brunch thing, you know. But uh, we'll be back. We're going to be recording Sunday night, so it'll probably be up Monday. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about now. We were planning on talking about minor league, uh, the minor league uh, pitching and the shortstops for the Red Sox system. Them, but I think we might have some other stuff to talk about now. And we might. The agency. Spring training will be opening that day for uh, big leaguers. So it's, yeah. uh, you know. We're going to transition a, back in. We're no longer an MILB stand podcast. It's a good goddamn feeling, though. And uh, just looking forward to, uh, to seeing where the season goes, folks. Yeah, absolutely. So jump on with us. We're officially going to be talking about baseball here. We're also um, we're also part of the Pesky Report, so we'll be talking about Major League Baseball there. And I'll be also starting with Crystal O'Keefe as a part of the Pesky Report. She and I will be doing, uh, I believe we're going to probably do it on Sundays. We're going to be uh, transitioning over to uh, YouTube so you can actually watch Crystal and I's beautiful faces um, talking about baseball now that we have that back. So her and I are having a meeting about st- uh, getting that started. We're going to be as a part of the Pesky Report with that. Just trying to look for like a fun, cool name. She's a White Sox fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. We're going to talk all-encompassing about baseball but we also want to like kind of have like a a fun little like punny name maybe something like how we're like the laundry fans or something or like socks appeal like or something like that um but yeah so you can check us you can check ed and i out here obviously bobby baseball you can check us out on our social medias i'm at fraline 89 and Ed, your Edward Hand Eight because I'm not creative with my names. I have to. I did basically the same thing for my Pokemon Go account. I, <laughs> I don't. I'm not big on nicknames for myself. Uh, so I don't even like pet names. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm on every bit of social media. I'm Fraulein Eight Nine. Like you can literally stalk me on any bit of social media <laughs> that I exist on because I was just like, I'm gonna be that on everything, um, pretty much, except for like my letterbox. I think I'm Bailey A Twenty Five, which is like my email. Um, but hey, think Bailey, I'm... Bailey, baseball's back. Baseball is back. Baseball is back. Baseball's back. We've got it. Baseball's back. We can finally actually talk about it. So buckle up. I'm gonna try to get this out before um, before the frenzy of free agency starts to begin. But it's Buckle beginning. Up, buckaroos. Get ready, it is beginning. So thank you for tuning in. Like us, subscribe to us, talk to us. Ed's handling a lot of the socials because he's so much better at it than I am. So interact with Ed over at Bubbly Baseball. And thank you. And like Ed said, baseball's back. Baseball's back. <laughs>